Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Thinking Coach with David Petrozello for another week. We are looking at a very interesting topic today. We're talking about lateral thinking as a coach and looking at other sports for ideas, ways to innovate, etc. Um, I guess we're going to... David, good to see you. How are you, mate? Good to see you too, Jerome. Things are good. Things are good. Well, it's an interesting topic. It's always a topic that uh, comes under a lot of debate in the world of coaching as to, you know, whether you can learn from other sports and whether there's ways to adapt from other sports for, to a sport that you're coaching, etc. cetera. Um, mm. I guess, I guess we'll, we'll open it up with how do you, what do you see or how do you see lateral thinking? How, why is it important for coaches to be able to think in a lateral way to be able to look, um, I guess, outside the square? You know, I think it's uh, a great topic and um, I, uh, I hope that coaches are going to be able to take some, some, some ideas away uh, and be able to in, uh, implement some of these um, some of the things that we're going to talk about into their own coaching practice. I, I would start by saying that in my opinion, I, I think it's critical to the success of a coach that um, that we have the ability and that we give ourselves the freedom uh, to think laterally and to look at what uh, other sports, uh, other coaches, other environments are doing. Um, and to draw inspiration from uh, those those places, I think that we sometimes um, get caught into thinking that we we need to invent everything from scratch. And uh, more often than not, I, I I think that's actually the opposite of the truth, which is um, success leaves clues and these clues are going to be uh, there for us to follow, whether that's in your particular sport or that's in another particular sport. Um, because at the end of the day, coaches are going to come across the same types of problems and the same types of puzzles that are going to need to be solved. Um, so I think from, from a beginning perspective, coaches uh, can learn a lot from other sports from a relational uh, perspective, but also from a tactical uh, and even technical perspective in some cases, um, which I'm sure we're going to get into some of this. But I, I just think it's really, really critical uh, for coaches to be able to, to look outside of their own sort of you know backyard, so to speak, outside of their own neighborhood, um, where oftentimes we can develop a little bit of groupthink uh, within a sporting code and um, you know taking ideas and inspiration from other places is just good it's just good coaching it's just really smart good coaching uh kieran is with us again he's just uh popped in to say how are you dave good to good to see you mate so um you know he's watching on again and i'm sure he'll jump in and make a contribution during the course of the show as well i expect nothing less kieran <laughs> i expect nothing less <laughs> So, you know, we're talking about lateral thinking. We're talking about uh, coaches looking elsewhere for inno innovative ideas, et cetera. Um, you know, in terms of – this is an interesting question because I, 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 I want to go here first off because I always remember something that uh, a, a very prominent coach said to me 
um, they had something within their structure. They had what they called a lateral inputs committee, which was basically that a group of players and the coaching staff would go out and watch other sports, would go out and do other things um, to, to bring in ideas from elsewhere to help with the program itself. When we talk about lateral thinking, should it just be the coaches or should we be embracing that as a whole within the whole program and encouraging our players as well to involve themselves in that thinking to actually to bring those innovations and ideas as well to the table? Uh, what a wonderful idea. Uh, and, you know, kudos to that coach uh, for um, institutionalizing and creating a structure uh, to, to, to ensure that there is um, lateral input. I, I love that phrase. Uh, I love that idea. I don't think it should just be the coaches. Um, I don't think it should just be the players either, uh, along with the coaches. I think that's a whole program, whole staff um, uh, idea. Uh, there are, uh, you know, like this idea of cross-pollination, right? Like the taking from one area, applying it in another, going to um, having your support staff, having team managers or having, you know, you name it, physio or athletic therapists or uh, even, you know, administrators that work um, in, in the office, maybe a, a club manager or whatnot, a technical director, you know, these individuals um, should not just be listening or talking to exchanging ideas with um, other individuals within their own sport. They should be speaking with their peers and people that do similar roles, similar jobs and others, other types of jobs, but in completely different environments. Um, you know, because at the end of the day, what what you're what you're looking for when you are um you know, thinking laterally or you're engaged in this sort of process, what you're looking for is not something that you can carbon copy and just drop uh, into your team or into your club or whatever. You're not looking for that. That's not what you want. What you want is a seed of an idea that you can, you know, see and learn and feel and witness somewhere else that you might not have otherwise seen had you been in an environment like your own. Um, I, I cannot tell you how often uh, I have been working with, with clubs or athletic departments or coaching staffs within my sport or within the typical sort of list of, of sports that, that, you know, even I've been a part of or been working alongside and the same, um, processes are there. The same ideas are brought forward over and over and over again, just in a with a different logo. Okay, um, but may, many of the the ideas or the solutions to common problems are the same. And sometimes those solutions are fine, Jerome. But but other times you need to innovate. And to innovate, you need to get outside of the tried and true. You need to get outside of what you've simply been doing um, and what other people like you are doing uh, in your own sport. So I, I think players, you know, from a player's perspective, if you simply adopt that mindset of 
non-specialization that we we encourage youth athletes to implement in their own sporting lives. And you say, why do we do that? Well, there are lots of reasons for that. Um, but one of the reasons is that there is this cross-training benefit that comes for, you know, my like my sport, the basketball player to play tennis and soccer and, you know, you name it, a, a range of other sports. And there's a benefit to their quote unquote main sport uh, because they are, you know, just gaining a little bit of, of alternative physical literacy and, and they're, they're, they're working different muscles and their joints are working a little bit differently and they're reducing the risk of repetitive um, stress injuries and so forth. Okay. So take that same idea and adopt it in you know, speaking about thinking about problem solving as as a player uh, on the field or on the court um, and problem solving as an organization when you're coming across something that you're trying to do or problem solving as a coaching staff. If you flex the same muscle over and over, the rest of your muscles are going to atrophy and you're they're, they're going to not be able to support you when you need them. So the same principle in my mind uh, is in play here. Um, variety is good. Cross-training, cross-pollination is good. Putting yourself as a basketball coach, if you can go and sit and watch and talk to and interact with swimming coaches and rugby coaches and, you know, you name it, you know, long-distance running coaches, it, it there are, there's always going to be something that you can take away when you have a particular puzzle to solve, try looking at it from a different perspective. And this is basically what we're talking about. We're talking about that idea, cross train, flex different muscles, and the same benefits that a youth athlete get, gets from that, you can get from that as a coach and as an organization and as a playing group and so forth. We, you're talking. We're talking there about problem solving, and we talk. We, we want to talk about tactical, using this from a tactical point of view. Um, yeah, when you're looking at it from a pure tactical problem solving point of view, for, as a, from a coach, that lateral thinking. How does that being able to to be able to look elsewhere and be able to think laterally? How does that help a coach to be able to? You know, maybe solve some of the, one of those difficult problems that they're struggling to solve by staying within their own boundaries. By stretching that, how what does that do to increase the chance that they're going to be able to solve those those little tactical problems that occur? You know, I think it does increase the likelihood that you're going to come uh, to a uh, a solution, uh, an innovative solution in particular, I think it does increase the chance. It doesn't mean that you're going to rewrite the book on your sport. It doesn't mean that you're going to somehow revolutionize how your sport is coached or played. Um, however, I, I do think that um, there is, you know, the, the percolating of ideas and the processing of information that your own brain undertakes um, is just stimulated and, and, um, you know, in different ways when you are taking in different information. So if, if you are a basketball coach and you are trying to um, solve a particular puzzle in terms of the way that your team attacks um, 
you know, some zone coverage in the half court. Okay. As an example. Um, and, you know, if you walk onto a soccer pitch and you watch a soccer team train, or you go onto an ice hockey, uh, into a, an ice hockey arena and you watch how an ice hockey team attacks, um, you know, uh, the defense, you can start to see that there are patterns and there are principles that are in play that are going to be different yet similar to the ones that you utilized as a basketball coach. Um, and I think that that is super helpful. It's super, super helpful. I think that if a coach has open eyes and open mind, um, you'll be able to see patterns in the way that an ice hockey team um, moves the puck around the ice when attacking in an advantage situation, which we call a power play. Um, and, you know, that translates almost directly to how a basketball team could press an advantage in a numbered break when you have a numerical advantage in transition. Mm. There is a lot of crossover there. Um, and, and I think that if we never examine any of that if we never look or think about or talk to anyone about that then we're more likely to simply stay in the our lane um, and do the same thing and not provide our athletes with the best possible um, coaching support because we're simply regurgitating mm. the solutions of the past um, and it, again, I want to I want to reiterate, I'm not saying that you're going to revolutionize the way that you coach something. No, you might you might not change anything. Mm. But but what it's going to do for you is it's going to force you to reflect critically on what you do. And if you do that, if you actually reflect critically on what it is that you do to solve whatever it is that you're trying to solve. If you come out the other end of that process with the same solution, fine, excellent. It can, it, you stick with what you got until the next critical analysis comes across um, your radar. But maybe, maybe that process of critical reflection informed by new and different information, it might yield a different solution um, that you are going to prefer or want to experiment with or want to try out mm. and the only thing i can guarantee like as we all know you are guaranteed to miss every shot that you never shoot so if you never try i can guarantee you that you're just going to keep doing the same thing mm. um and and i i think that that is suboptimal for everybody involved so i i i, I just do believe it's it's really really uh, helpful for for coaches um, to to have an open mind, have an open spirit, and to get out there and start talking to different people. Well, Kieran's jumped in, um, and we'll we'll bring in one of his questions. Um, he's asked Dave, would you talk to other coaches from other sports on their opinions on how to handle players, say with no confidence, or players with big personalities to see if aspects of what they do work for you. 100%, 100%. I, I think that when we speak, you know, with coaches that are in different sporting codes, 
here's here is what we here's what we get. We get the benefit of their own experience and their own expertise as coaches. But what we are really going to, in my opinion, benefit from the most is access now to experience that comes with a different group of athletes, a different cohort of athlete, a different uh, kind of athlete. And oftentimes, I think we all can recognize even walking down the street and you see someone, you're like, that's probably a basketball player. That's probably a hockey player. That's probably, and you're never quite sure, but oftentimes athletes tend to birds of a feather flock together. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the more that they are in a sport, the more alike they become because now they're in that culture and now they're in that environment over many years. You become a better problem solver and you become a better leader of people when you have access to information about more kinds of people. So the experience that the coaches bring, they can talk to you about what it's like to speak and interact and coach and mentor and lead and, and, and work through issues and so forth with athletes that might be completely different to your athlete or to your group of athletes, to your sport. And I think that is super valuable. I think that's super, super valuable because there's a little bit of, of everyone in all of us. Um, and there are there's some great resources out there that are, I think, uh, you know, relatively accessible, um, you know, and uh, that, that help coaches identify maybe some different typologies of athletes. Um, and, uh, uh, and, and I, I think that we can gain some of that insight by talking to coaches who deal with these other type typologies and these other types of athletes. I just, I, I think it's super, super helpful. We're talking about, you know, how, how, you know, lateral thinking and thinking out, you know, being able to innovate and look at other ideas. A prominent uh, ice hockey coach, he's no longer with us, of course, uh, the late Herb Brooks. Herb, when he was developing that team that won the gold with the US in the 1980 Olympics against the might of the Soviet Union, made this analogy leading up when he was being interviewed for the job. The Ameri- he said, the US school of playing ice hockey is not going to work anymore. We need a hybrid. We need a new version. He looked, he, he said, we need to look to other countries. Specifically, he, he looked at Canada and specifically he looked at the Soviet way of playing to come up with something that was a hybrid that worked. We, we talked about looking at other sports. How important also is it for coaches and even countries to be prepared and coaches in those countries to be prepared to actually not only look at other sports within their country, but look at other sports and their own sport in other countries to see what's going on and adopt and adapt good ideas as well. You know, I think it's important, Jerome, and I think it's happening more and more, which is, I think, of benefit to everyone. Um, the, the internet just makes everything accessible. I can go online tonight and watch a game from Lithuania and I can, you know, a domestic national league game from Ukraine or, you know, from New Zealand or, or you name it. Okay. Um, and, and, and I think that's fantastic. And I think the availability of information and resources 
um, within a sport will vary according to the sport. Um, however, I think that we have this treasure trove of information. Um, and, uh, and I think that coaches more and more um, are, are accessing this. And when I say coaches, I mean, like coaches like you and I, you know, like coaches that are on the ground that are coaching wherever it is that we might be in the world that are working with athletes, you know, right in front of us. I think the, the Olympic level, you know, the very top level coaches in the world uh, for, for a long time have had this uh, outward looking idea uh, and resources and the ability to, to access this information for longer than um, than what the rest of us have been able to do simply because of technology and so forth. Um, so, you know, there is no reason why a Canadian basketball coach who is interested in learning about the game, no reason why they wouldn't be able to access great information about how, you know, the Spanish national program develops their athletes, uh, how the Australian um, Institute of Sport and that model uh, and how that influenced, you know, how the Opals and the Boomers have been able to compete and punch way above their, their weight class uh, at an international level. And, and you can, you can educate yourself. Um, and so, you know, from a, from a program perspective, I think that's excellent. I, I, I think the majority of sport federations at a national or subnational level are, are doing this to a greater or lesser extent. Um, it's a big village now. Uh, and, and I think that's a good thing from a technical and tactical strategic style of play. We're also seeing the edges start to push together, uh, in a lot of ways. And I can speak for my sport. Um, anyway, what we're seeing in, in my sport is the game beginning to resemble itself, uh, in more places now. Uh, so, you know, basketball being played in Europe, um, let's say at the Euro League or at the top national league levels within national teams, you really begin to see some, some similarities and consistencies across the board. Uh, and you can see some of that, uh, almost anywhere, similar, similar action style of play. There'll be differences, um, and so forth, but it's, it's beginning to look, um, you know, very similar, which I think is good. Um, because then what that creates is the opportunity for innovation um, and the opportunity for innovation to, to distinguish itself uh, in interesting ways. And the NBA, for example, is a really, really interesting um, example of this. Okay. So right now you have the final four teams in the NBA playoffs. Mm. And for a number of years now, it's been the usual sort of suspects that have broken through and made it to the final four, the each conference finals, and then into the, the league final. And, you know, there's been like this convergence, whole lot of three-point shooting, a whole lot of, you know, taking away of what we call the mid-range, which, which are these like two-point shots that are inside the three-point line, but outside of the painted area. Um, and, you know, a lot of teams just started resembling each other. 
And now as that convergence occurred, you have all of this variety within these final four teams now where they play differently. Um, you know, they, they still look kind of the same in some ways, but the way they implement the strategies completely different. And, and that's just it, like, that is appealing. It's appealing for the sport. It's, mm -hmm. it's appealing to watch. It's good for the sport. Um, all of us at every level take our cues from the very highest level. And so when, when a team like the Atlanta Hawks um, or the Phoenix Suns, uh, you know, make it to the final four and who knows might make it to the finals Phoenix, I think has a real possibility, real chance. And, and you never know uh, what can happen, maybe even Atlanta, but all of the younger coaches are not younger coaches, but all the coaches that are at, you know, lower levels will take cues from them mm -hmm. and, you know, okay. It's okay for me to, to, to try some different things. Cause I can speak from experience, Jerome. I was for a long time. I will say it. I was afraid mm. to innovate. I was afraid. And um, I had ideas that I, I felt really confident in, but that I didn't implement um, because it, it went against the grain of uh, what the sport was doing um, in, in certain areas. And who knows whether they might have worked super well or might have blown up in my face. I mean, hypotheticals are hypotheticals. However, I think we're losing some of that fear. And that, in part, is due to the fact that we just know so much more. Mm -hmm. We can see so much variety and we can see all of these things that are happening. We can take inspiration from a French coach, you know, coaching their team in the French National League. We can take our inspiration from watching Brian Gourgian down in, in Australia. We can take our inspiration from watching, you know, you, you name it, you know, somebody coaching in the WNBA or in the Women's EuroLeague or it, it, it really doesn't matter. Um, because we have access to all of this. So I, I feel like our, the younger coaches have this, um, you know, a uh, little bit of a wilder streak than those of us that really started to cut our teeth, um, you know, a little bit before all of this information was readily available to us at the drop of a hat on the internet, um, which is why Kieran, um, you know, why I've turned into this agent of chaos, because I've, I've recognized that I'm, I let opportunities go by to disrupt things. Um, and I'm, I'm committed to not doing that myself, but I'm also committed to encouraging coaches to try things out, try things out, go and learn from other sports, go and learn from other coaches, learn from how your sport is done in other places, you know, take something, test it out, see what happens. Um, and, you know, bring a little bit of chaos to your world. It, uh, it's good for the soul. I'm going to jump in with a question here from Kieran again. Um, do you, Dave, personally look at other sports, like a style of play, for example, pressure, pressure play, et cetera, and try to implement that in your coaching or ask the coach for his philosophy or playing style to see if you can implement that in what you're doing? 
I do 100. percent um, I uh, I think I might have mentioned at some point before I over the years I've tended to identify a number of sports that I would study for lack of a better term uh, over the course of a season. Um, it gives me a little bit of variety during my own season, so I'm not you know just wrapped up in the same questions and the same. Uh, the same things all the time. Obviously, I, I, I'm interested in basketball. I could eat, drink, sleep basketball 24-7. Uh, but I think it's good for us uh, to um, to intentionally go ahead and learn about and study uh, other sports. Um, excuse me. So, you know, I do. I do for sure. I tend to, to focus on team sports for obvious reasons. However, um, I would encourage team coaches to, to study individual uh, sports as well and to speak with coaches of individual sports who work with one athlete uh, or at least a team of individual athletes, if that makes any sense, a, a team of athletes who compete individually. Um, and uh, there's a lot to be taken away from that. In my own past, I've learned a lot from sports like American football, uh, I've learned a lot from sports like baseball, tennis, swimming, um, you know, rugby, uh, rugby union. Uh, AFL is, uh, I'll tell you what, uh, there's, I don't, you've probably seen this, but there's a, um, a really cool kind of docu-series on Amazon um, called Make Your Mark or Making Their Mark or something of that nature. Um, and, uh, you know, my nine-year-old and I, um, like we devoured that entire series, like pretty quick. And, and even through that, like for myself and for some reason, I don't know why, but for some reason he's a Crows fan now. So I don't know. Um, <laughs> you know, they weren't even that good, obviously in that, uh, during that season, we do have family in that way. So maybe that's the connection there. But, um, anyway, as I'm watching it, you know, it's, it's good TV and there's, you know, it's, it has all the, the good stuff, but I'm watching it with a critical mind as well. And I'm, I'm, I'm listening to the coaches. I'm watching the way the dynamics are presented on, on film, which it's edited and I get it. Like it is what it is. Take it for what it's worth. But um, I'm able to take some things away from that. Right. Like I have notes that I wrote down uh, takeaways that I, I, I learned from watching, um, something like that. And, you know, there, there's a lot, so I, I do, I do. And I don't always have a particular like specific purpose, um, to it, you know, like, I'm not saying, okay, I have this problem over in my sport with my team and let's go and figure out exactly how they do it over here and see if I can apply that in my situation. Sometimes it's just, let's just take it in and let osmosis do its thing and, uh, and see if something comes, you know, comes percolating back up. But uh, I do, and I encourage everyone to do so uh, as well. You talk about in the previous answer, you refer to yourself as the agent of chaos. And we, we've had that conversation before. Um, I was talking to a, a coach the other day. He just happened to get in touch with me. Um, and, and he believes in the idea of what we're talking about here, which is you've got to be able to innovate. You've got to be able to adapt and change and, 
and, and bring in new ideas and, and look at new ways of doing it. And he is doing that where he is in the sport that he's coaching, which is hockey, field hockey. Um, but a lot of other coaches around him and the establishment around him aren't. And they don't exactly like what he's doing. Uh, how important is it when you're doing this sort of thing to stick at it, particularly when you've got a lot of you've got a lot of people around you who, for what for whatever reason, are perhaps being a bit naysayish in in what you're doing and and referring to you often as as you don't know what you're talking about and you're a, you know you're uh, you. you uh, I suppose "coo" could be the wrong, the right, the wrong word. Perhaps not the best word, but the word that comes to mind. How important is it to stick and say, "No, I'm going to keep looking at things from a lateral point of view." No, nobody makes any sense until it makes sense, mm. um, and and that's not just nobody. Nothing, right? Nothing makes sense. What what, what do you mean? the sun is the center of the solar system. That makes no sense. That makes no sense. That's crazy. That's crazy talk. Right. Um, and I mean, you can go ahead and, and think of a, a million other examples and without knowing exactly what the coach is, is trying to do or what he's, um, you know, advocating or trying to take away. Uh, cause you know, I, cause I don't know. Um, I, I think the, the general principle, uh, is should be that if you are, you know, engaging in this process and you mm. go through um, your your analysis of the information and and you're trying to to innovate and you have as a purpose of your innovation helping your athletes or helping your club or helping the situation improve and you have. Um, you know, you're not just throwing something out. Oh, I saw this at an ice hockey game. Let's let's just see, you know, and you haven't reflected on, you know, can I do it safely? Is this, what, what is this going to you know, like do, et cetera? You haven't thought through that, that side of things, then you shouldn't do that, right? Like you can't do yeah. just willy-nilly throwing stuff at the wall and hope something sticks. Um, however, that being said, if, if you have a belief in, in what it is that you are advocating for, then I think the general principle is the same as if you have a belief in anything else that you might be advocating for, um, you know, more broadly in, in your community or, or whatnot. Um, and you, you got to stick to your guns, right? Like you got to stick to your guns. Um, I think that if we go back a few, a few conversations, you know, we, we did, we did discuss, the um the topic of feedback yeah and you know we're always receiving feedback uh and the feedback you know that we have to take in and reflect on is not just the feedback that tells us hey you're awesome mm. keep, keep doing what you're doing it's the feedback that also says i have no idea why you're doing what you're doing uh and i'm not sure that it makes any sense at all uh, and you know, that's just banana town. Okay. Well, you have to take that in and give that some thought and whether or not that changes what you believe or that changes, you know, what you're trying to do or not, you can't just, you can't just brush that off as in, yeah. you know, whatever in particular, 
And I think this is an important one for, for, for coaches everywhere. In particular, if the people that are offering that feedback are, um, you know, established individuals within your sport. Uh, I, I don't believe that, that, that anyone becomes anyone um, just by virtue of luck mm. over time. So if someone's been around long enough, they've probably done some things that are worth your time to consider their opinion. Okay. That doesn't mean you take their opinion and you adopt it as your own. Yeah. Um, but you can't just dismiss it and you might end up dismissing it in the end, uh, but you can't just dismiss it out of hand. So I, I would just encourage that coach um, or any other coach that is um, in a similar situation in a situation where I would have been uh, myself, you know, a number of years back, um, you know, to 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 take in what people are saying, uh, but to stick to your guns. And if you if you have a real belief in what you're doing, then do it. And, you know, there's always going to be to every decision and every action, there's going to be a cost and a benefit. And you always have to weigh the cost benefit uh, to what it is that you're going to do. If, if what you're going to do carries a cost that is too heavy, don't do it. Mm. And only you, the individual, will be able to know how heavy a cost you're willing to, to bear for doing something. Um, if, if you tell your committee, I'm going to implement this strategy with this group, come hell or high water mm. and you know that the cost to its failure is your job. You make the decision to do it or not, but you understand that there is a cost that could potentially be high. Um, and then you weigh that. And if it's something that you believe in, jump in with two feet, there's always another job uh, out there. So you know, I, I, I think it is important. I, I also just want to I just want to encourage coaches like don't be scared off, but also do not close yourself off from the feedback of of people. Mm. Um, and there's a difference between feedback and noise. Yeah. Um, and, so you know, if it's noise and it's just blind. You know, like you're you know, you're crazy. And, OK, well, tell me why. No, you're, you're crazy. That could never work. Okay. Tell me why. No, no, no. We've never done that. Okay. Tell me why it won't work. No, no, no. You're crazy. That's noise. Yeah. That's noise. There's no feedback there. Right. But if it's feedback that says that's never going to work, I don't think that's ever going to work because of A, B, C, D. Um, you got to think about that, you know, um, and then make, and then make your decision and, and weigh, weigh the cost and the benefit and then go. <laughs> we're briefly talking about you know you were watching that particular documentary and and you were you were taking notes um when it comes to thinking laterally when it comes to looking for it to innovate to have ideas to to look at other sports you know how important it is for a coach to to think you know when particularly when they go to a sporting event they might be going there just to watch it but you know, I used to, you know, for example, take a notebook with me. How important is it, is it for a coach to think, well, hang on a minute. I Yes, I'm going to watch something, but there might also be 
some value in this. I might be able to take something on board from this. Perhaps I need to be, you know, take a notebook with me or, or you know, that sort of thing so that I, I can at least note stuff down. I, I think it's important. And I think at the end of the day, we all have a notebook, right? We, we all have a notebook with us basically at all times. Uh, and, you know, every, everybody can find, you know, their, their, their app of choice um, where you can drop a voice note or you can drop a text note or you can take a picture of, uh, of something that, um, that really resonates with you when you're wherever you are. Um, you could be walking down um, the hallway at a mall and, and come across something that spurs thinking. Um, and you should take note of that because if it's something that can help your athletes, something that can help your team and something that can help your coaching practice, why would you not want to implement that? Um, or at least think about it. Um, I, I remember to this day, I was at the university of Southern Queensland in Toowoomba campus, and I'm walking around uh, prior to uh, a game and um, I came across a sign that I still have the picture of in my online photos right uh, database um, but it was a, a little poster that was you know trying what it did to me anyway was it it, it connected motivation through, it was talking about grit basically without using those terms, but it was talking about overcoming some challenges and it was geared towards students mm. and it was geared towards, um, you know, overcoming uh, academic challenges. But the, the, the message, the model of delivery, it's the same for sports. Okay. And I said, man, that, they they that connected with me so i took a picture of it and i still have it and it still pops up every now and then in my memories from however many years ago um and i've used i've used it over the years and and sort of referred to it in presentations or spoken about it to teams and so forth like we're, we're always you know we are never a closed off um being as humans we're always collecting information we're always collecting data and we're always collecting experiences. And I think the best coaches are the ones that can leverage all of this information, data, and experience from all sorts of sources, um, leverage it for their teams and athletes and their coaching practice. And, you know, cause that makes us more human and the more human you are, the more relatable you are and the more relatable you are, the more you connect and the more you connect, the more you can coach and the more you can coach, the better your, your groups are. So hmm. it, it, it all forms a chain for me. Um, and, uh, you know, that, that's what I would say. I want to sort of, uh, this is the last sort of question here. And, and, and I guess it's more of a generalized question, focusing a little bit on what we've been talking about. Um, but maybe maybe looking at it from a bit of a broader point of view, can you? I do you believe we're at that point, or do you see a point where coaches, for example, like yourself, like myself, the job of being a coach will be in, in, will move between sports. It won't necessarily be a coach. Won't necessarily have to have been 
played or experienced or been an experienced coach in a particular sport, they'll just simply be the right fit for any any sport because they can move they can move around because they're innovative enough to be able to do that and adapt and adjust to the new task at hand. I don't think we're at that point at an elite level. Uh, and then the definition of what that elite level is might vary uh, depending on, on the sport, perhaps. Um, I think what we see at a basic level, at a grassroots level, is you see lots of coaches coach lots of sports. And I think we can do it very effectively. Um, you know, at junior levels, um, somebody could coach rugby and coach basketball and coach hockey and coach netball. And, um, you know, you're, and the reason for that is because the, the depth of technical expertise and tactical expertise and the experience that you need is not as great um, as what you would need if you were at a, a more elite level of competition where you do need breadth and width um, in terms of your ability to, because of the need uh, to think quickly and adapt and be flexible and you need experience for that. Current coaching models um, still position uh, the head coach as a prime decision maker when it comes to strategy. And uh, unless that changes, the need for that individual to have that depth of experience and that depth of expertise is not going to go away. Um, what you see in some sports, uh, for example, where you have an offensive coach and a defensive coach and, a, you know, a, a specialized or several specialized coaches uh, across the board and the head coach is much more of a manager um, than they are a, a teaching coach, so to speak. They're like the principal of a school rather than the classroom teachers. They still uh, are almost required to have previous expert level experience in the sport that they are managing. Um, and it's not so much where I could be an expert basketball coach and expect myself to be successful at an expert level uh, coaching on uh, the football field or coaching on the soccer pitch. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't know if, I don't know if we'll ever get there. Uh, we're certainly not there now. I think there is a sort of a cap uh, and in North America it would probably be in high school uh, or maybe small colleges where, you know, at, at the lower college level where, um, you know, coaches might be able to cross codes, so to speak, Definitely in high school happens a lot. Um, the vast majority of high school athletics in North America is, is not elite. Um, it's, it's much more participatory um, outside of, you know, the, the, the very, the very, very best. Uh, so that happens more often and it happens at the junior level, obviously uh, in club systems. Um, what I what I do think, however, is that the the managerial experience, uh, the executive administrative experience that we see uh, pollinating all the time, we see executive directors from table tennis become, you know, executive directors over in surfing uh, and so on and so on and so on. And there is this broad uh, kind of experience because 
the depth of their expertise that they need in order to fulfill their function is not sports specific. It's, it's function specific. Um, and if, if you can lead a team of administrators in, in one area, you can probably lead a team of administrators in, in another area. Um, and, um, and so it's an interesting one that you ask. Uh, I'm not sure if it's a good thing or a bad thing if we ever get to that point at, at a higher level, to be honest, um, because I, I just feel like the, the time that it takes to, and again, thinking at the very highest levels, at the Olympic level, at the, at the professional one level, uh, and so forth, the time that it takes to, to gather and, and to just to gain that experience and that expertise is like, it takes a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it is possible for, for someone to pivot like right now at my age, you know, early forties, um, if I were to pivot away from basketball and, and dedicate myself um, to becoming an expert field hockey coach, um, you know, it, it might take me 10 years or, or, or more. I probably would get a running start because of what I already know about coaching. Um, but it's not feasible for me to think, well, I could go and coach this elite level of field hockey because I'm a good, I don't know anything about field hockey. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I don't know anything about what it takes to be successful on the, on the field within that sport. Um, so, but again, these, these managerial rules where, you have uh, general managers or you have these other administrators that flip, you know, between sports and the, the coaching structure where you have a senior coach that might not do much teaching, but they're all about building culture and they're all about managing a, a staff of coaches. I haven't yet seen that at the top levels, um, to my knowledge, mm. it might exist out there, but to my knowledge, I haven't yet seen that. If you come across, that would be a super interesting case. Study. That's somebody's PhD dissertation uh, waiting to be written right there. Maybe Kieran can go to school and get his get his PhD and, and figure that out for us. There you go, Kieran. There you go, Matt. Dave's, Dave's made a suggestion for you there, there if you're still watching it. Perhaps, I think that's probably, I'm, I'm actually, I actually wonder whether that's probably what you're saying there, Dave, is probably right. It's probably more... Um, it's probably more not you, you coaches move from sport to sport to be head coaches. It's probably more maybe, you know, you're seeing a scenario where, and I think it has happened where coaches have, have, have left their specific sport and gone over and become directors of coaching or directors of, of high performance in another sport, purely on the back of the fact that they actually, they're not actually coaching. They're actually coaching the coaches. They're actually exactly. on be good coaches. I think you probably. I think that's probably where it'll hap- where it hap- will happen more and more, um, and it and it has already it has already happened. Um, I know exactly. I think that's smart. I th- I think that's smart of organizations. This is the whole topic today, and I think that's just an indication that when that organization makes a move like that, they are thinking laterally. They're thinking about you know helping their AFL coaches become better coaches by tapping into the experience of the basketball, this, you know, if, I mean, look, if, uh, if, if Lindsay Gaze turned around and, you know, wanted to, you know, back when he had recently retired from, from, from active coaching 
at the NBL level, if he had wanted to get involved with an AFL franchise as a director of coaching, how much could those coaches have learned from him? Like a lot, right? Uh, and, you know, whether or not he would have been able to help them with the tactics on the field or the techniques that are required to be successful or not. Um, and I have no idea about how much he knows or doesn't know uh, or, knew, you know, about, about the sport. Nonetheless, uh, those coaches would have become better coaches. And um, I think what we do see, and we have a great example in Canada as well, where one of, one of, our, uh, one of our greatest university basketball coaches of all time, um, his name is Dave Smart, and he coached at Carleton University, uh, which is in our national capital of Ottawa. And one really put the rest of us to shame uh, by winning so many national championships in a row. Nobody could beat him. Uh, and uh, it, you know, he's now moved on from active coaching and is doing a variety of different things. One of them being consulting to hockey franchises mm -hmm. and be, being in, you know, training camp with the NHL team uh, and being, you know, that fly on the wall who picks up on uh, differences that, you know, when you, when you look at the same thing with the same eyes, we all know it, we tend to not see uh, much of what is happening because we're only seeing what we're used to seeing. But when you bring in a different set of expert eyes um, with their own breadth and, and width of experience, you know, now you're able to, to really start to see some of the nuances in, in what's happening in front of you. So I do think these consultancy uh, roles are, um, even at the highest level, are happening more and more and more. And I think that's fantastic. And, you know, at a, at a more grassroots level, I'm another example of that. I work with sports coaches and that are from across the sporting world, like the sporting spectrum of codes. It's not just basketball coaches. I work with tennis coaches and rugby and swimming and so forth. So it, I don't know anything about their sport, um, you know, per se, but I know about people and I know about coaching uh, and, uh, and I know about process and I know about, about how to go about your coaching practice. So, you know, that, that I think is um, a wave that is picking up steam uh, at every level. Mm. Uh, but yeah, that'd be an interesting, that'd be an interesting test case if ever that came about where um, a coach was able to, cross a divide there between codes and take on a, a significant on on field active coaching role that would certainly be an interesting one well i know we came very close here in australia just recently um the australian diamonds coach uh previous coach was asked and approached to coach the north melbourne football club um mm. she was asked and approached to coach the north melbourne football club so we came within a hair's breadth of actually seeing whether this could actually work. Um, and it's interesting you talk about Lindsay Gaze. Um, a lot of people don't know, but Lindsay Gaze actually was actually part of an AFL exhibition match played at the 1956 Olympics in Melbourne. And he actually played football for many, Aussie rules football for many, many years. Um, in fact, when he did national service, I think he actually played... He played Aussie rules football back when he did national service, in, um, which was a requirement in the 60s and 70s in Australia. So 
Um, it shows there's, there's elements that we don't know. But that he, he played it at a, at a much lower level. He didn't play it at the highest end. So that probably a difference. But bringing this all together and wrapping it up before, before we finish up, what's the key takeaway we, we want to be saying to coaches about this, this particular area? Yeah, the, the key takeaway is, you know, don't be afraid to innovate. Uh, and don't be afraid to draw inspiration from uh, off the beaten path. Uh, that, that is the key takeaway. And what, wherever that path uh, might be leading you, um, I, think, I think we can draw inspiration from all sorts of different sports, from all, your own sport in different places, as, as we discussed as well earlier. Um, you know, your, your neighborhood as a sports coach is the entire planet. And uh, I think we, if you have internet access, um, you have the ability to, to just learn and watch and uh, educate yourself, um, you know, by drawing upon what the very best in the world are doing, from drawing upon what other grassroots uh, groups are doing uh, in different parts of the world. And I, I just think that's, that's the critical component here. We can learn from and uh, better ourselves by drawing on the experiences uh, and practices of others. Mm. And, you know, as coaches, we want the best for our teams and athletes. Um, and that just means we're constantly trying to better ourselves and don't be afraid uh, to go outside of the box and to, uh, you know, take something from somewhere else to pick up something from a different plate that, uh, maybe your coaching community is is not drawing from, um, you know, make sure that it's not willy nilly. Uh, make sure that it's there's a purpose and there's a process to your reflection. Uh, and it's not just done, you know, at the drop of a hat. Uh, but uh, do not be afraid to innovate. Do not be afraid to ask questions. Do not be afraid to contact coaches. You would be amazed at how many coaches will answer your email send an email, send a, a DM, um, you know, through whatever platform it is that you, you have uh, access to, to these individuals and um, ask questions. You know, you, you might be a coach from a different sport, but let them know. I'm curious about X, Y, or Z. You would be amazed at the types of answers you're going to get. Mm. Um, just by reaching out, don't, don't be afraid to ask, don't be afraid to innovate. Um, and certainly don't be afraid to bring a little bit of chaos, uh, to, uh, uh, to your coaching environment. And that sums it up brilliantly because both of us have, have said this before and, you know, you're always one that believes it's important, but you're happy for coaches to talk to you and I'm the same. And that's important. Reach out, talk to other coaches, um, they won't talk to you unless you talk to them. So, you know, you, you need to actually. So that is a very important thing. Well, thank you again, Dave, for being being on the show. Thank you again for being a part of um, a part of this. And we look forward to next week's episode of The Thinking Coach. Likewise, Jerome. Had a great time discussing this. I hope it was helpful for coaches. I'll see you next week. Will do. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>